welcome to the November 2010 podcast of Ordinary Means. I'm your host, Sean Nolan, here with Matt Bowling. Hey, Sean. Oh, there you are. I couldn't. What, do you s- think I got lost over here in Seattle <laughs> or what? I couldn't see you. Oh, <laughs> it's funny. It, it, yeah, you can't see us through the airwaves. It's a long ways. It, it, it is. It's amazing. The uh, the signal goes across, and I am. Um, but no, I'm just all of a sudden I heard your voice, and it, you know, I heard, I heard a great thing, Sean. Um, I was in uh, Sean and I met. Um, in San Diego, where we both went to seminary. I'm actually wearing, in honor of uh, our alma mater, Sean, I'm wearing my Westminster Seminary, California um, golf shirt today. Oh, okay. And um, Sean and I met in Southern California going to seminary together, oh, so many years ago. Uh, Over 14 years ago, Sean and I met. Uh, We haven't killed each other yet. And I was in San Diego last week for a visit, vacation with family. I would like my arm back. You'd like your arm back? Okay. And... um, and I ran into one of our listeners, all one of the three of them. It's pretty difficult to do. We don't travel enough to find the other two. And um, he said that he actually couldn't believe that we weren't in the same room. He didn't know that we did it via Skype. And uh, he was amazed with the quality. So kudos to our engineer who puts this together for us. Bravo. Scott uh, doesn't get mentioned anymore. And uh, anyways, we're thankful for Somewhere the in the background is Scott. Scott's not even here right now. But, yeah. but he'll be here. He'll eventually... Yes. Do something with what we've done and make us and make it palatable for the rest of you. <laughs> make us sound good. It's all the producer in an odd form of virtual community. That's right. Well, which is what we're talking about today—not virtual community, but actual community, the real life thing. Yes. We are picking up on a conversation we had last month, and we enjoyed it so much. We're going to just keep talking about it. This is one of those topics: community. Christian community, biblical community, um, one anothering, if you want a very biblical uh, phrase to use, biblical terminology to use. Um, That's what we're talking about today. We're talking about what it means to live life together. That's my my three-word definition for community, Mm -hmm. is living life together. And then you apply that through a biblical lens to the church. In, in any community in the world, you would have people living their life together. Um, they, they would be eating together, they would be shopping together, they would be doing all sorts of things together. And when you move that into the church and you see that biblically we are called to... I, I'm looking... I have a sheet right here with um, verses, and I... I want to say I've got 50, at least, that, that were easy to find in the New Testament in terms of what our relationship is to be to one another. Hmm. And how do you, how can you have church? <laughs> how can you have, how can you be a Christian? Uh, you know, we occasionally hear about the lone, you know, the lone Christian. He says, I don't go to church, but, you know, I meet with the Lord as I'm golfing on Sunday, I don't know. That's that's probably stereotypical, but uh, maybe uh, if you golf on Sunday instead of going to church and that's your quiet time, please post on the blog. We'd like to know. Uh, well, and that's actually in the West out here. Um, that's actually a fairly common thing. You used to see that in San Diego, people going to the mountains or going skiing, or um, especially in the Northwest, it's even more enhanced because of our little bit of summer that we get, <laughs> if you get any. Um, 
you know, yeah, that's a, that's what people do. They have. Uh, we're talking about this uh, at a, a congressional meeting last week, family talk night, we call it last week, and um, you know, people just they grew up going to the cabin on the weekends, and you know, church was not as relevant. They actually did, would just say that straight up. Got to take advantage of summer while it's here. <laughs> yeah, when when you've only got two days a week, sometimes one day a week, it's Sunday. Sunday gets that. Right, right. Um, but well, let's. This is we're we're sort of moving right into this. I think the the first question that we need to ask is what is it that's hindering community? Again, we're talking about Christian community, community within the church. What is it? What is it that's keeping our congregations, the congregation that I'm a part of, the congregation that you are a part of, what is it that's keeping them from being thriving communities where people are caring for one another, where people are spending time with one another, where hospitality is being shown, where where, uh, where things, somebody has something broken, uh, somebody in the church is right there to fix it. Um, what is it? that's keeping that uh, from taking place. And there's probably a number of angles we could go. We could look at the at, at a historical angle. We could look at a um, we could look at a biblical angle. What are the sins? Mm-hmm. Uh, we could look at um, sort of a cultural. Where is our culture right now, and how is that helping community? So let's let's stick it out there. What what is it, Matt? What do you think it is that's keeping us from having these thriving communities? Well, I think it's some of all of you. We could probably go through those serially if we've got time. But I think that um, historically, if we look at our ethos as a nation, um, so if you go back to, say, to Tocqueville in Democracy in America, and you look at historically what typifies the American individual, uh, what we find is a very, very high degree culturally of individualism. And so culturally, we are uh, averse to community, um, irrespective of whether we're part of uh, a church, a congregation or not. Uh, the ethos of America is much more individualistic. We're the rugged pioneer, <laughs> especially here in the Northwest where I live. That's um, I need no one. Um, a, a man is an island. I am the captain of my own soul. Which is so odd because basically what you're describing is you're calling us a nation of loners, or or a yeah, nation we're, of. But we're uh, busy bowling alone. To quote the title of a very famous book yeah, by Robert. There you Pope. go. Yeah, yeah. Independent. We're all independent of each other. Um, it, it's almost the. Uh, it, it's almost. The what do you call it? people that went west. What do, what do you call them? <laughs> I cannot think of the term. Pioneers. Right now. Pioneers. All I could yeah. think of was pilgrims. I had pilgrims. Yeah, yeah. yeah we pioneers. It's but, the pioneer spirit. It's the yeah. pioneer. It's like the end of the pioneer spirit is complete individualism. I heard once. In fact, Matt, you were probably there. The the granddaughter of um of uh, she was a uh, granddaughter of one of the Mormon elders, one of the famous Mormon elders. And she came to the seminary when we were there, and she was talking a little bit about uh, Mormon theology. And one of the things I don't she, remember this at all. You don't remember this? Oh, this is fascinating. Oh, I should get um, a recording of that. Yeah, see if so, they have it recorded well, somewhere. I, I don't know. That was back before they had um, recording. 
yeah. ability when we were. I was like, that was over 14. Well, go on, go on. It's over 14 years ago. Time. Okay, so so she was talking about Mormon theology, and Mormon theology is ultimately a theology of loneliness because what you end up with is is in Mormon theology, you um, the goal is to have your own planet that with your your wife you are inhabiting or or filling with inhabitants. And so wives, you, wives. Yes, yes. Well, it's you know it depends on what year you're reading Mormon literature, um, or what state you're reading Mormon literature in. But the uh, the thing she commented on, she'd become a Christian, and the thing she commented on was a daughter. It was assumed that a a man would always have his family with him. Well, then hmm. you get into the issue of well, what is the where does the daughter go? Does she go with her father, or does she go? with her um with her husband hmm. and does the wife the un- oh okay yeah 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 does the wife go with the husband or does the wife go with the father and if and she sort of carried it out and she said ultimately you end up all alone hmm. heaven hmm. is heaven is is all by myself and nice. i thought that i thought that was interesting um hmm. but that ties in uh, similarly to what we're saying is we're sort of all by ourselves. I, have you noticed the re- in, insurgence, resurgence of books on introversion? No. Oh, there's, I haven't noticed there's, that. There's a ton of them right now. Um, if you just you know go to the local library, look up introvert. Uh, there was just a book published, I think, by PNR. It was either PNR or Crossway called uh, Introverts in the Church. And there's oh, a wow. – and I think, I think it's a good thing on one level. I think it's a bad thing on another level. I think on okay. on the good level, what we have is people recognizing that not everybody in the church is the same. So right. not everybody in the church has to be gregarious and happy. And if you're um, if you're not happy uh, and and outgoing, you're not following Christ as He calls you to follow Him. So I think on one level, there's a good. Uh, acknowledgement of different personality types. I mean, personality types is something, you know, the Puritans regularly commented on. So that's mm-hmm. not a that's not just a psychological thing. Personality types has been around forever. But I think on the negative, I think it's people trying to justify their independence. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, I, I I can see that, and it's I I actually don't like using the word personality. I like talking about the shape of someone's soul because I think a lot of times we, that we take personality and we go, oh, I'm not a people person. I could never do evangelism. Mm-hmm. And that's a cop-out. Of course, the third person of the Trinity lives with inside of you. And if the whole reason that today dawned is because the Great Commission isn't fulfilled yet and Jesus is seeking more heavenly citizens and using the current ones to do it, then – I think the Holy Spirit can enable you to open your mouth with people. There's something else going on. Yeah, well, and that's, and that's so we can use we can use the shape of a soul as an excuse for keeping from the commands, uh, including the one and other commands. Yeah, and I think that's oftentimes what we're doing is mm-hmm. we we have so grown up in independence. I read an interesting um, article by Carl Truman recently where he talked about bigotry. And Mm. he made the comment that most of us are bigots 
against whatever it is, whether it's racially, whether it's uh, against homosexuals, whatever it is. He said, most of us are bigots, not because the Bible tells us. Let me put it another way. It's most of us are against something, mm-hmm. not because the Bible tells us, but because we grew up in circumstances where that was the common bigotry. So, for example, mm-hmm. am I really pro all nations, all races joining together, intermarrying, becoming one in Christ? Am I really that way because I read my Bible, or am I, or your products of Southern California, am I, or am I a product of Southern California? Yes, or you go the other way. Am I? Do I not like homosexuals because the Bible tells me it's a sin? Or is it that I – and it's not that we shouldn't like homosexuals, It's the, but do we hate the sin Right. Or because the, the Bible yeah. tells me? Or do I hate the sin of homosexuality because I grew up and all my buddies and I were making fun of homosexuals? Right, right. So is it um, – you know, am I, am I a, a, a biblical uh, – you know, do I view this from a biblical perspective or am I, is it just a part of my culture? Mm-hmm. You know, have I grown up in enough of a moral culture that I think you should wait till you get married or uh, um, wait to have sex till you get married? Or is it just that I grew up in or, or I'm completely reversing all these around? Or is it because I've read the Bible and I've come to that conclusion that that's what God demands? Right. Right. Was it sort of morally frowned out of my family, irrespective of a Bible, or yeah. was it because I came to that belief by reading the Bible? So that said, a, we, right. that said, we've grown up independent. Yes. Our culture. And we've grown up with a culture that excuses, that triumphs the individuality of people, irrespective of its impact on others. Be true to yourself is oh, the most yeah. important thing culturally for Americans. And if true to yourself is I like to spend a lot of time alone, uh, I don't see a lot of need for community. In fact, I don't see a lot of need for other people, which is a practical disbelief of it is not good for man to be alone. That that was before. Um, I'm sure we'll get into it a little bit later theologically why we why we like individuality, but w- right now we're stuck on culture. But culturally, not only does that you know how the West was one, and the spirit of the Northwest, but it it's it's that's uh, suborned by the culture now. A radical individuality. Um, you must be true to yourself. That is the most important thing. Absolutely, and I and I think growing up, all of us have sort of grown up with that believe in yourself from the time mentality from the time we were little. Mm-hmm. Um. That the self becomes the most important thing. And whereas biblically, God is the most important thing, mm-hmm. then others, then self. Mm-hmm. And when we reverse that, it completely changes. I mean, we could almost say, we could end this podcast right now and just say the reason that we don't have thriving uh, biblical Christian communities in our churches is because we don't put God first. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, it's that simple. It, it, it is, but I think that too, um, we're we're just uh, embarking uh, on a um, a renovation and redecoration plan for our church, and it's been difficult for some of our older folks, whose 
in a culture that has rapidly changed around them and underneath them and is really different than when this church started 70 years ago and some of them have been here from the beginning is very difficult for them to process that a new generation of people in a church might want to redecorate it. They might want to reshape the space to better fit the realities now of the size of the congregation, the makeup, the people we're trying to reach, etc. Very difficult for them because their um, their sense of well-being, their sense of stability with everything else changing is is in this place. Now, that's not a biblical place to have your sense of well-being and your sense of security and significance and all that kind of stuff wrapped up in a building and how it looks. Um, but that doesn't change the fact that that, that happens. Um, and so in that sense, you know, do we follow God uh, on the mission as it is now, or do we really want to be where things were 40 years ago? Um, because it makes us feel good. Um, so that's that's tough. I mean, it, and it's the easiest thing to do. I think. Well, you have a you have an opportunity for your church to lead your church in Christian community because yes. uh, not only do you have this is I mean this is the same thing we talked about music a few podcasts ago. Mm-hmm. It, it's mm-hmm. the same thing there where you um, you want the, the younger people to understand that some of these old hymns that we're singing we're singing them because there's still people in this church that for them that's how they worship. Mm-hmm. And and you want the older people to understand, well, the reason we also sing some of these newer things is because this is these are songs that speak – these are the new songs <laughs> that mm-hmm. speak to where some of the younger people in the church are today. And so there's a there, there's a mixing, and so it's it's a both and. It's not an either or. It's not, hey, old people, you know, get out of the way. Get out right. of the way because the young people are coming in. Um, but – and it's not uh, – and it's not the other way around. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that brings up, you're talking about just space and, um, things as, as simple as walls. I know you're putting up a, you're putting up a, uh, a fake wall essentially mm-hmm. because your sanctuary is too big for what you're doing now. Right. And so you're bringing down the size. Um, you know, that's just, you know, that's just a medium. Right. Um, Blew me away. I read this book I recommended on the last podcast um, by Marva Dawn. Have you have you picked that up yet? It's right, I'm looking right at it on my shelf looking right, right now. At it. Okay, so she she mentions in there. I'd never blew me away. I'd never thought um, in in these the books. By the way, if I think Sean linked it in last month's podcast, but he'll link it again. Unfettered yeah. Hope is the book. Unfettered Hope, Marva Dawn. Uh, I love Matt. I love shopping online. Mm-hmm. As a guy, malls to me, any sort of shopping center, is is how I picture hell. I'm not, you know, I'm not sure what level of Dante's Inferno um, was shopping mall, but it was yeah. it was deep. It was way down there. <laughs> That's actually funny because I actually had to go to our local mall a couple of weeks ago to take two of my boys shopping for sandals because we were trying to find them okay. <laughs> to go to San Diego where. They needed something they could get wet at a water park, and that's almost impossible to do once uh, once summer is done. Yeah, and some so areas, we actually had yeah, to go seasonal. through the whole mall together with two boys. And oh, me. Dear. oh, dear. <laughs> almost lost my mind. So I, I have to tell you, I am I am an avid Amazonian. Yes. I use Amazon.com 
<laughs> religious, religiously, should I? Um, <laughs> religiously, <laughs> you know, and I'm, and I'm, it's, it's probably killing the mom and pops. I'm, I'm guilty for killing the mom and pops. Uh, the, the, that's the term for local stores. But you're, uh, you're, uh, you're patting the bonus the guy I'm having for lunch with today, so don't feel bad. Okay. So, uh, <laughs> apparently he works for Amazon. So, um, the, uh, Marva Dawn brings up this point. She says, uh, she says, when you, when you shop online, not only are you, um, sure you might be gaining, I mean, you might be getting a better deal, but you are, um, th- there's a, a separation that's taking place in our neighborhoods. And everything is coming into that computer where all of our interaction with other people now I have no problem with Facebook if it's if it's if we limit it and if we use it for the purposes that um, that it's there for. I have family members who are uh, just about to be living overseas, and I'm excited that I'm going to be able to keep in contact with them through things like Facebook and Skype. So mm-hmm. I'm not against technology. And, and Marva Dawn says again and again in this book, she says, I am not against technology. This is not a, t- a tirade against technology. But what she says is you have to consider the effects of all of your interaction with others, all of your community coming to the screen. Mm-hmm. And that you are instead miss- of real people. Instead of real people. I mean, you're you're missing out on what part of communication is nonverbal. You know, we throw the statistic around. It's what something like two thirds of communication is is nonverbal. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, we throw the statistic around, but we don't realize how much that's actually happening when we're not getting together, sitting across tables from each other, um, or standing in the same room as each other. Um, when we're shopping online. There is a – and again, there's no problem with shopping online, but we've got to take into account what's well, happening. We're losing. What are we yeah. losing? Yeah, yeah. And, and there's no problem with Facebook, but what are we losing mm-hmm. by these technologies? And it blew me away because Marvadon actually seri- – without saying – without being a Luddite and saying um, technology is bad, you know, which that's often what you get. Is today and people who are criticizing technology, they're saying technology is bad, and then you've got the technology is good. Right. Whereas here's somebody, and this is why this I think this book is so very helpful. Is she says no by by using technology the way we're learning to use it, we are actually killing hope. Hmm. And I'm not. I won't go into all all what that how you she can read the book. gets there. Yeah, read, go read the book. Yeah. But we're actually killing hope in our life. By our dependence mm. on technology, um, very interesting. There is a, and let me make a note to put this up on the um, to link this. There was an interview done. Did you see this video interview, Mark Dever and um, Mark Dever, Dever and Mark Driscoll? They're both Marks. They are, right? I, I, they are. Okay. Yeah, I, I didn't. Um, I Have saw seen it that somewhere up, but I haven't watched it now. And and is this a gospel coalition or something? Yeah, or so was it's, that... it was a gospel coalition. Or, and... or the, no, it was the Desiring God conference, I think, or something like that. Was it, that what it was? Um, well, no. you link it, and I'll see I'll it. link it. I'll find it. Okay. Uh, so Mark Dever, pastor, Capitol Hill Baptist, uh, very straight laced conservative church. Okay, Mark right. Driscoll, uh, you know. Ministering to twenty, thirty somethings, big 
church planner. Uh, he has something. He said the number. He has something. He does something like 200 services a week. It's craziness. But it's all it's all technology. Right. Yeah. You know, yes. he's he's doing three or four services. He's do, yeah, he's doing yeah. And the rest like is it's this site model. And right. it's a fascinating interview because Mark Dever basically asks him some hard questions. Right. And one of the questions he asks him is um what about your interaction with these people? Aren't mm-hmm. you their pastor? And he said, well, at each of the sites, we have people who who are pastors who interact with these people on personal levels. Mm-hmm. And Mark Dever says, well, what about, you know, what about you? What about your church? And I thought this was fascinating because and it, this, is, this is a sign of our times. Mark Driscoll looks back at Mark Dever and he says, I don't ever talk to the audience. I think he called it the audience. He didn't call it the congregation. Mm-hmm. He said, I don't ever talk to the, to the people. He goes, mm. I am a complete introvert. It's who I am. I just, mm-hmm. I just, it's me and the Bible during the week. I get up there and teach. <laughs> now, very interesting. And yet we say, oh, well, this man is a pastor. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm tending toward, I think Mark Driscoll is a gifted teacher and evangelist. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure you can be a pastor if you – because the question Mark Dever asked Mark Driscoll, Dever asked Driscoll, was um, how do you preach to where the people are at? That was the question. How do you preach right. to where the people are at if you're not interacting with them? And he said, I, I don't. I don't interact with them. I'm just, I'm just reiterating what I'm learning in the Bible. Right. Um, very, but he's obviously in tune with culture because he's obviously struck yeah. a nerve with a person or two in Seattle. Oh, absolutely. And, and, and see, that's uh, why I'm, I'm tempted to say he's a gifted teacher and evangelist. Right, right. But, he's, but not but necessarily, it's, a, but not necessarily pastor. a pastor. And it may yeah. be that the Lord is bringing other people in um, to do that. Now, this brings up another issue. Mark Driscoll, huge church. Actually, Mark Dever has a, has a very large church as well. Um, but I think, and I, I'm, I'm reserved in saying this, but I'm... I am of the opinion more and more that the movement – I mean you remember back when you and I were in college, um, we started to become f- familiar with the church growth movement mm-hmm. and um, guys like Bill Hybels and Willow Creek, uh, Rick Warren out on, the, out on the West Coast. And the idea of the mega church was becoming all the fashion. Well, now here we are. 20 years later, and the megachurch is not only the fashion, it's it's become just enculturated. Mm-hmm. Um, every city now has its big churches. Okay. Um, one of the biggest, and, and I think I'm going to, I'm going to be reserved in saying this because I don't want to say all megachurches are evil from the devil. It's, don't understand me saying that. But what you have here is a cultural trend in the church. It's mm-hmm. a place where where this individualistic thinking, these um, uh, extra-biblical business models have come in and become the form for doing church. Very interesting now, you, you have executive pastors. 
Mm-hmm. He never had this before. Never had a pastor whose whole job was to administrate the the functioning of the church. Mm-hmm. Um, you have to have that if you're going to have a megachurch. Right. I'm becoming increasingly convinced that for all of the wonderful megachurches out there, Mark Driscoll, <laughs> uh, John Piper, uh, for all of the wonderful megachurches out there, I think what the megachurch has done is it has um, – it's either been a sign of or it has been engaged in destroying community in our culture, uh, particularly among Christians. If it's not done hyper, hyper, hyper intentionally, almost by necessity, it's a place you can be anonymous – Unless yeah. the church won't let you. Now, there's people. There are people who are listening to us. At least one of our three listeners is saying, "Now, hold on. I go to a big church, and mm-hmm. I have plenty of community. I've got a circle of friends. I've got a home fellowship that I meet with. And you know what? I think that is wonderful. I'm glad you're doing that. I'm glad that you're able to find community in that. But one of the biggest weaknesses of the megachurch is is that it's very hard to foster community in that setting. Now, the other side of that is where are these people that are filling the megachurches coming from? Mm -hmm. And the answer is they're coming from the small churches. To a degree, for sure. Because, because yeah, to a degree, because in in our individualistic mentality, I'm sitting in a small church where everybody knows me, okay? And it's like the cheers dynamic. It's like the cheers. Everybody knows my name. <laughs> Everybody okay. knows my name. Well, what if I begin in my individualism? What if I become uncomfortable with that? What if I don't want somebody being so close to me they can call me on my sins? Right. So that I'm confessing my sins to one another. What mm-hmm. if I don't want people so close to me that they know when I'm struggling? What or if know I don't? When I'm not at church. Or, or know when I'm not at church. Right. Okay. So. It's I, I think it's those people then, and again I'm I'm being very generic here. I'm giving a broad broad uh, stereotypical picture, but it tends to be those people who are all of us because all of us, if we could, would avoid community. Well, we, and we would run away from God. And one of the ways yes. Adam and Eve run away from God is that the, they also were alienated from each other. So one of the ways we rebel is we get away. I'm preaching through Jonah right now, and. Uh, Rick Phillips, wonderful commentary on Jonah. But um, he says, what should Jonah have done when this difficult call came from God that he couldn't process, that 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 smacked him upside the head and, and shook his belief system? And, you know, he felt very self-righteous and didn't want to go. The last thing he wanted to do was to go to Nineveh. Um, Phillips says he should have gone to the Council of the Prophets. He should have gone and experienced community with them, gospel community with them, where they could have reminded him that it was a good thing. That God was slow to anger and abounding in love and, you know, instead of trying to handle the dissonance himself. And that's a lot of times I think what we do. We try and handle the dissonance in our hearts, the dissonance in the culture, the dissonance of what the Bible says, how we ought to be living and how we're actually living. We try and handle that dissonance by ourselves and thus separate ourselves from God and from other people in our independency, in our autonomy. Self-righteousness and pride. Right, right. And so, so while I'm not completely bagging on the um, 
megachurch, I think these are things we need to consider. What, what I want our listeners to, to think about is how am I using technology? How am I, how am I striving in my own life, in my own heart for biblical community? How am I challenging myself against the wave of individualism? Well, and two, I, I had a, a conversation with a, a young man in, in our congregation last week, and um, one of the things we talked about was he said, you know, I, he's very busy work and going to schools, and, and uh, he said, you know, I get a lot of my community over the phone with all my old friends, you know, and, and I talk a lot on the phone with people, and, you know, I really keep up with them, and I feel like that's my community. And I said, well, that's good, and I'm sure you can give to your friends over the phone, and they can give to you. I said, but, but what about the people here in the church you're attending who need you? Who need your perspective? And I wasn't trying to shine them up. I was trying to take seriously uh, what Paul says in First Corinthians twelve about us being a body, and that's both the 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 church of the Lord Jesus Christ in the largest sense uh, it, that we're a body. That even in a neighborhood or a township or whatever kind of locality you've got, that's a body, and we need each other. And then even within our own congregation, we need each other. Not just that I don't see how you could help me, but Am I thinking about how I could be of aid to you? Maybe I've struggled with the sin that you're struggling with, and it's something that God's already helped me, by and large, to put in my past. And I've got passages and reflections and all those kinds of things that, that God's already done in my life, but you need from me. And that's how God wants to change somebody else. And we don't think about that. We don't think about loving our neighbor um, within a congregation, and we need to, because virtual can, cannot do that. Virtual community can't do that. Uh, you're, can't you're one another each other through Facebook just or, or on the phone. It's not the same as living real life with people, seeing the expression on the face and the pain in their heart. And, you know, it's just – it's not the same. Well, you can do it if you've got the relationship externally. Right. The virtual, right. The virtual can be an aid. The virtual – you know, even the phone. Phone is virtual. Mm-hmm. But, but even the phone can be a – a means by which you that community is fostered. Mm-hmm. You know, like there's nothing wrong with a an email prayer list mm-hmm. for getting information out there, but that doesn't mean. I mean, if I'm praying for people I never see, I, it's, that's not community. Now, I think you're going in a good direction because we've got just a few minutes left here, and what we need what we need to do now is we need to paint. We've talked about how we got here. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's it's it, the same sin Adam started with, right? Um, it's it's a cultural it's culturally trend. reinforced, culturally reinforced, culturally historically reinforced. reinforced, culturally reinforced. Yep. So now we need to paint a picture of what it, what gospel community, what one anothering, what living life together looks like. It, I think that um, if I can take one more barrier and yeah, segue yeah. with that. Um, I, I like gospel community, not just because it's a catchy phrase um, and not just because it's kind of people use it and it's all like new and stuff. I, I really think that it using those two words together reminds us of something. It reminds us that apart from the gospel, apart from the work of Christ done for us and applied to us on an ongoing basis by the Holy Spirit, we'll avoid community. So one of the barriers to community is a lack of gospel understanding. So if I'm still trying to, uh, as uh, Harry Reader quotes his grandfather, if I'm still trying to cover up instead of fess up about my sin, 
uh, this was great lady in our, our community group on Sunday night. She said, you know what? It's just great to be at a place where you don't have to pretend. Mm. And, um, and only the gospel, only understanding that I'm so bad Jesus had to come for me. But I'm so loved and cherished that Jesus was glad to come for me. That's Tim Keller. Um, only when I get both halves of that can I come um, to people and truly just own who I am right now. And that that's frequently not very pretty. Uh, and real community is fostered where there's authentic relationship. And authentic relationship, in my mind, is impossible without the gospel. Because if I'm still trying to perform somehow to get accepted with God or to get accepted with people or even to accept myself, I can't really be in community with people because I'm too insecure. I I can't – it it won't really happen. I'll have to continue to pretend so that I think I can get accepted because I'm okay and and you're okay. And and so we're okay, but we don't have real community if we're okay. So I think the gospel is absolutely key, and I do think that it's – and we find this here in this congregation as we've tried to um, take a gospel that was understood doctrinally to people but and try and bring that that home – to where it actually influences the way that we think and the way that we feel and the way that we live life so that we have these gospel kind of infused lives. Um, that it's only as the gospel comes in and, and God does his work by his grace of, of transforming our hearts and, and sensing our security and our meaning and our significance and our satisfaction in Christ and in delighting in God, are we free to actually really engage in relationships with people? Um, and so it is gospel community. I don't think you can have community without the gospel. You can't just sort of make it happen. Sure, you can have you can have friends that have common interests and that are passionate uh, about their common interests, but not soul to soul connection. Not what we were made for. Well, I think this is why you're seeing a trend um, among some Christians to go agrarian. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Is I think it I think it is a it, it's a right motivation, but it's a wrong answer. I'm glad you said that because I it's interesting because I, I I was pondering similar thing. Though I think yesterday maybe is that there's a sense there where we want to get back to basics and not have such cluttered lives and all those kinds of things, which is wonderful. But on the other hand, it's escaping from the mission too. I mean, you're escaping a cluttered life, but you're also escaping all the people that need to be reached. And it's, I think that missionary life in the 21st century, the church in America is missionary life. Um, It's a cluttered life, not with technology, not with tasks, not with too much to do, but it ought to be cluttered with people. Ministry is people. Dave Beebe tried to convince me, the guy who mentored both um, Sean and I years ago, and I'm just coming to realize this, that ministry is people. Increasingly, I'm realizing it. And uh, our lives should be cluttered with people, uh, real people uh, that we're in community with. Well, And it doesn't have to be – I think the tendency is people hear community and they think, I have to know everybody in my church. Right. No. And and that's not not what we're saying. I mean it's it's a – it's a smaller grouping. Um, But there there are characteristics of it that need to be uh, common – there mm-hmm. need to be older people and younger people. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had we had um, one of the one of the women in our church just recently during Sunday school said how amazing that you know that in the church 
I can be friends with, and then she named a, named uh, a woman in the church who was about 20 years younger than her. Mm-hmm. And she said, "This, you know, apart from the gospel, this wouldn't. Apart from the church, this wouldn't happen." It's beautiful. Yeah, and yeah, oh, it's a wonderful thing. But see, but we need that. The older need to be teaching the younger. Mm-hmm. And so, if our community is all friends my age, then it's actually not biblical community. In fact, you might you might not have a lick of technology. You might live on a farm <laughs> and have a completely simple life. But if you're only talking to people who are, you know, your age like you, you don't have community. Right. Because biblical community is is the body of Christ, people of different giftings, people of different skill sets, people of different personalities, people of different maturity in Christ. Mm-hmm. Yep. And I think that the reason that that's so crucial, even though, again, that's very anti-cultural, we think we can't be close to somebody unless they're very similar to us in terms of station of life, standard of living, uh, ethnicity, background, music struggles. To. Music we listen to, teams we're passionate about or not, technology we're interested in. We think that those are the things that produce genuine community because they're in common. Um, but I, I, the world can do that. Um, I've grown convinced just in reading some materials on this kind of stuff and, and thinking about this that that if the world can put together your group of friends, it's not gospel community. Gospel community is meant to unite people that don't make sense for them to be friends. Uh, in our community group, we have uh, uh, a um, a gal who is uh, a grandma, single grandma. Um, her husband died. Uh, we have a couple with kids our age, uh, so they're common with us. And then we have another couple um, that are grandparents. And we're growing in friendships with all of these people not based on the similar status of our lives or similar jobs or things we're passionate about, but simply because we all desperately need Christ and there's more there that unites us than divides us. Yeah, we can't um, we can't have community unless Christ is there, as you were saying. Mm-hmm. But then when Christ is there, the community is rich and vibrant and and people really care about each other. I mean, I think I would take your you earlier you called it gospel community and you talked about you gave some very good reasons why it should be called gospel community. Mm-hmm. I think the one thing if I have any concern with the use of the of the word gospel in um in books and literature today, it's that there is such a focus on Christ that we are almost forgetting the Father. Mm. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, at some point here, some some saint, some prophet is going to rise up and start saying this. Maybe I've just started the wave. Um, that the purpose of Jesus coming, the purpose of the gospel is to reunite us with the Father. Mm-hmm. And yes, Jesus is God, no question. Jesus and the Father are one, no question. Um, the Spirit is the Spirit of the Son and the Father, no question. But we, we've got to keep the Trinity in mind here. Mm-hmm. And so, back to something I said at the very beginning of this podcast, um, 
community be, has to be a God thing. Mm-hmm. It's got to be centered around loving God first, our neighbor second, and me third. Mm-hmm. And that is when we we see thriving. When we see, you know, when I open up the Bible and I read one of these hundreds of one another commands, and I say, I'm not doing that. You know, I'm not showing hospitality. Mm-hmm. I don't. I don't ever see anybody. Um, besides church that's in my church. Mm-hmm. You know, I told my congregation, I said, you know what? If you're not doing it, here's all you do. You pick one night of the week and you say, you, you talk with your spouse and you say, can we just plan to have one other individual or family in the church over one night a week? Nothing fancy. We're just going to, you know, we'll make a, we'll make a big salad. And um, we just have them over. Hospitality. It's commanded. Mm-hmm. It's actually... In the Bible, as a command. Really? You don't <laughs> it's, say. It's not an option. Huh. I miss that one. Um, but we're, I just, I wonder if we're so focused on gospel that we forget, you know, God, the mm. Father, who will judge. And mm-hmm. that we are, we, we've been reunited with him through the gospel so that we might obey. And, um, you know, let's not sin that grace may abound. Right. Let's right. not ignore community. Uh, let's let's actively pursue uh, one anothering, living mm-hmm. life together. Okay, so what does this look like? We've got, you know, we got sixty seconds left here. Okay, mm. let's go. Let's do the list. Let's mm. just shoot off stuff here that we think community needs to be in there. Okay, I'll I'll start off. Okay, confessing our sins to one another. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, yeah, I think too that. Um, Actually, sharing our lives together, so that um, it uh, what you described earlier about hospitality is that um, it's great to have Sunday meetings. It's even great to have something like community groups or whatever. But to me, I think that that the next step after that is, am I in such community with a group of people that between when we set something up as a group, I want to be with them. I want them that close to my life. I want to be. I want them to be that close to me. And 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 why? I mean, what are the you know what are the practical workings out of this? A, a group that that's that close is going to know what I need. I'm going to know what they need. We're yep. going to be able to help one another. Mm-hmm. We're going to be able to challenge one another on spiritual things. We're going to be able to talk about the ways that we're growing. Um, we're we're gonna be, also going to be able to. Uh, we're also going to be able to observe each other's marriages and parenting and our the way that we think about work and the way that we're processing life and older parents and siblings because there's a difference. I think I might have said this last month. There's a difference between uh, a couple that comes in the church and says, you know, the husband's out of work right now. Sometimes it's a little stressful at home. There's a difference between that level of prayer request, which is where most of us are. And when you call up somebody because you're in gospel community with them and you say, how are you doing today? And they say, I fought with my wife this morning and I do not feel like being reconciled. Those are in two entirely different kinds of prayer requests, two entirely different levels of community. When we're actually saying, I feel like sinning, would you pray that I don't? That's, <laughs> that's a different thing. Because we want to be in a community where there is, there is encouragement, there is mm-hmm. affirmation, and there is admonishment. Absolutely. And, and you can't have that apart from community. If I'm just seeing you for five minutes on a Sunday, 
There is there is no way even if I knew of a sin in your life, I'm not close enough to you right. to be I, able and, and to talk given to permission you about it. to you in a sense. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Now we need to be this is one I think we tend to forget is that we need to be um have a, have common beliefs together that that's part of community is mm-hmm. is agreeing on the truths of scripture. Mm-hmm. That's part of what what brings us together. We need to be reconciling with one another. You just mentioned mm-hmm. the analogy of the guy who's, you know, who fought with his wife doesn't want to be reconciled. Right. You know, what are you pre- what are you immediately praying for? I'm praying Lord reconcile this relationship. Right. Bring bring right. these two back together. Mhm. Um Serving well, and one even one, even one that's that that rubs us against the wrong way or, or rubs us the wrong way, uh, bear with one another. It, see, there's yeah. a, that's a command. Oh, right? well, see now that one is I love that one. Galatians six one, and and the reason I think that that is so crucial um, is that it recognizes that we're not perfect yet, and that the people that you're in community with are going to rub you the wrong way, and they're not going to change immediately. Even if you talk to them, even if you try and help them apply the gospel to this particular area of their life, they're not going to change right away. And you're going to have to bear with them, bear with their failings, bear with their imperfection, bear with their faults, bear with their sins, because you can accept them based upon Christ, not based upon their performance towards you. Mm. And that's, that, that is amazing because we do very poorly at bearing with one another. So, so patient endurance with one another. Yeah. Absolutely, love covering a multitude of sins. Right. Um, right. Now, I'm, you, I would thought you were going the Galatians six one and two direction, but you didn't. But Galatians six two says, "Bear one another's burdens, and in mm. this way fulfill the law of Christ." Well, the great mm-hmm. thing about that is, if you tell somebody, if I said to you, "Bear one another's burdens," you would, you would, you know, you would perk up, your eyes would open up, and you'd be looking around, who, whose burdens can I help to bear? Right. Right. But Absolutely. listen to what, what the verse says. It says, bear one another's burdens. So not only do I need to be willing, I think most of us are willing to help somebody who's in need. Mm-hmm. But are I we also, willing to be helped? Am I willing to be helped? Yeah, here's, let me give you a, a practical example that we just didn't do good at, but, but, but it has been very provocative because it kind of hit us in the middle. Um, one model, we just had a, we have a six-month-old and, uh, at home, and... Um, you know, the typical individual model, even for us, I mean, we just did this for six months, right, of a child's life, is you hunker down. You withdraw from people. You do less. You have less people over. You're engaged less in church. Everyone expects that. Everyone expects you're not going to sleep very well. Your energy level is not going to be great, you know, because you're transitioning to having another child in the family. It's our fourth child. And, um, but, but say there's another model, though. Say the model is that... Um, it's sort of overwhelming, and so somebody in your gospel community comes over and says, "Hey, you know what, Mom? When the kid takes the morning nap, or when when the infant takes the morning nap, you need some extra rest. I'll take your three kids, and I'll take them to the park so you can take a nap when the baby does." Now that <laughs> that's really different. That's that's a really yeah. that's an entirely different way of thinking about it. You know, sometimes we'll, when somebody's injured or, or, or they're in the hospital or they're grieving or whatever, we'll bring a meal or two over. But what if the mom's so overwhelmed that she needs somebody to bring a meal over a couple of nights a week, ongoing? Yeah. Because she had twins, and it's completely overwhelming. Yeah. Would we do that? Do we live in that kind of community? Do we have that kind of commitment to each other where we'll really genuinely help someone else bear their burden? That's, that's different. Well, and do we live in the kind of 
community, something that's struck me over the these past years has been as I've watched some younger couples in our in our congregation, um, and this isn't a statement against them. This is this is I weep for them because so uh, many people in our culture are disconnected from their parents, mm-hmm. or their parents had no idea how to raise them. We're, we're so far down generationally now mm-hmm. that no longer do new parents have anyone to go to. Mm. You know, what mm. about what about the older parent who comes over and says, you know, dearie, <laughs> you have four children right now. You need to not be favoring the baby right now. The baby's going to be okay. Right. You know, right. It, yep. maybe, maybe you just need to, you know, let the baby cry a little bit right now. Um, and then, you know, and then the baby, you know, the baby will eat, but this baby needs to, you know, this baby needs to learn to sleep to through the night because it's not just you and this baby anymore. Right. <laughs> right. This isn't your first kid. So, yep. but you know, but we don't, where are, where are the parents, mm. even the parents who aren't my parents mm-hmm. or your parents who are coming in and, and offering God wisdom, Godly wisdom toward parenting, not just not just wisdom or, you know, honey, this is the way I did it. Just do it the way I did it. Right. But here's how offering. we apply, here's how, yeah, God applied the Bibles to our lives. Yep. Yep. You know, and um and and uh, you know, here's what a here's what a Bible shaped life looks like. Yep. Yeah. It's well, powerful. I, I think I think we covered a lot, but I think we covered what we wanted to cover today. Good. So. If you've got questions, uh, this is something we haven't we haven't done a, a Q and A recently, but we haven't been getting very many questions on the blog. So if you've got questions, the blog is out there. Go type in your question and hit submit, and we will uh, we'll have a Q and A here shortly. And um, we would love to hear your questions. Uh, we'd love to answer your <laughs> we'd love to hear them. We're not going to answer them. No, we'd love to hear your questions. We'd love to answer them. Uh, we'd love to interact with you, although uh, we admit we've got our community, you've got your community, and and I hope that what we've done today has helped you, has encouraged you, um, maybe to not listen to so many podcasts. I'm, I'm, I'm going to work us out of a podcast here, man. Yeah, see? Um, maybe, you know, maybe to... to, to spend to time with back, real people. Go spend time with real people. And uh, go shop locally. And... Um, and serve God mm. and love your neighbor. And may the Lord richly bless you as you pursue him through his ordinary means. Mm.